We want God's word to be at the center of, of our um, experience as a church and our learning because it is through God's word that we, that we see and know Jesus. Um, this past week I was meeting um, with a discipleship group about um, three other men. So the four of us have been getting together. We, we looked at, for the first time at the, the beginning of Colossians. And it's awesome what Paul prays for the Colossians. He, he asked that God would, um, he prays for God to, what is it, fill them with the knowledge of his will. And then as we we're thinking about that and, you know, kind of pondering it, we realized that where else are we going to find out about God's will for our lives but in this book right here, in the Bible. So we're going to go to the Bible, and then we're going to discover what it is that God's will is for us. And that's what Paul prayed for a church in Colossians, and I'm, I'm guessing that he probably prayed for a lot of churches that way. But thank, thank God, by His grace, He wrote it down there so we could, we could meditate on that and, and hold that as a reality in our lives well. Um, we're in Acts, so I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Acts. Uh, we don't have the overhead out here, as you can see, so you're just going to have to find it in your Bibles the best you can. Maybe there's someone nearby who can, who can help you out if, if need be. Go to the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament. The Old Testament is the first half of the Bible. Well, it's not the first half, but it's the first three quarters or so of the Bible. And then the New Testament is in the back, and you'll find the book of Acts there. Chapter 3 is where we're going to be at this morning. As you're finding that, um, I thought it would share a little bit um, of one of my experiences um, that I had serving in the military. Um, I was in, I was active duty for 10 years in the, in the army, and uh, one of the things that I, that I learned about the military right away is that they really take training seriously. Really take it seriously. I mean, boy... Uh, they take it so seriously that their army doctrine says that what we do is train. I mean, that is just, that is just what we do as a military. So I learned that as I'm kind of a young, as a young specialist, and, and I thought, well, okay, um, so what does that really mean? What does that really look like, training, being prepared? Um, and so... So one of the uh, one of the first uh, experiences I had of that, you know, getting through basic training, going through my advanced training and that and the like, and then getting to my first assignment and and kind of doing my thing was, um, I, they begin to tell me to prepare for, prepare for um, your promotion, prepare for your promotion board. That's what they call it. It's your basically your 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 interview. You your you're, they, they ask you a lot of questions. They're not very nice all the time. Um, so they have this promotion board that I was told to prepare for. I thought, okay. So they gave me some things to study. So I studied some things. And, and then they said, now we want to make sure that you're really prepared. So we're going to set up kind of a, we're going to set up a mock board. We're going to set up this kind of pretend scenario where we're going to put you through the paces. So, and then they ask you the bunch, a bunch of questions, and then we'll tell you if you're, you do good or not. So I thought, okay, sure. I, you know, I know my thing. I'm a smart guy. I get this down. I, I learned some things. I, I went into that mock board, and at the end of it, they said, we're not sure we want to send you to the promotion board. We don't, want, we don't know if we want to send you to the real board. And I thought, are you kidding me? What, what, 
What do you mean? Oh, well, you didn't know this stuff. You didn't know that stuff. Uh, you, 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 your, your demeanor was off. You know, you didn't have military bearing and you, things like that. I thought, oh, my goodness. I, I need to practice this stuff. I need to work on this stuff. I'm not prepared. So I told him, hey, look, I, I'll work on this stuff. Don't, don't, hold, don't keep me from doing that promotion board. I, I'll work on it. I'll train. I'll practice. I'll be, I'll be ready. So I trained, I practiced, and uh, went in there a second time, showed them what I had, and they said, great job. You turned things around, you learned, you practiced, you did what you need to do. Okay, we'll send you off to that promotion board. And when I got to the promotion board, it was just kind of like doing what I did before because I'd already practiced, I'd already trained. I was already ready for it. So when the real-life situation came, I was ready for it. I was ready for it. I want us to be in that same kind of way, I want us to be prepared. Prepared to witness. Prepared to witness. You know, God has called us. God has given us grace. We have, we have, we have, been, we have received faith that we can put in Jesus. I want us to be prepared to go out there and tell people. I want us to be prepared in any and every circumstance so that we're ready to share the good news of Jesus with the world that, that needs to hear. Amen? We ought to be prepared. We ought to be prepared. And that's one of the things that we see in this passage here. Uh, we're going to read through, I'm going to read this for you, and you as you follow along, and, and then we're going we're gonna to kind of dig in a little bit and unpack some truths here. And I want to show you um, the ways in which I think this is a really good demonstration of how the apostles, those original followers of Jesus, were prepared for what God called them to do and to be as witnesses. So, as you're following along, I'm going to begin again at Acts chapter 3, um, beginning of that chapter, and I'm going to read all the way through the first few verses of chapter 4. So follow with me as I read aloud. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And the man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. 
But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And His name, by faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And as shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Let's pray. Father, as we unpack this word today, Lord, I ask that you will, you will teach us. Uh, work through me, speak through me, that the words I say will be the words that you want us to hear, God, and that you will use your message today for each and every one of us. God, that we will walk out of here in the power of your Holy Spirit to be obedient to it, to be changed in whatever way you call us to. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to show you, first of all, if you'll back up with me to the beginning of chapter 3, that we must be prepared when others have a need. We must be prepared when others have a need. It's interesting that... Um, Peter and John says they were going to the temple. Uh, previously we saw that they, they had devoted themselves to the temple. It was their place of worship. It was the place in Jerusalem that all of the worshipers of God would come to gather. They would go to that temple. They'd worship God there. They'd pray at different times of the day. And it says they were going to the hour of prayer, which is about the third, or excuse me, the ninth hour. For us, that would be about three in the afternoon. So it's kind of getting late in the afternoon. It's the time where they begin to do their evening sacrifices. They do the sacrifices in the, in the temple as part of their worship. So there they are going to, let's say they're going to their prayer meeting, and on the way they're thinking, okay, it's about the hour of prayer, it's about time to worship, it's about time to do our thing. And then they see somebody in need, and what do they do? Whoa, there's somebody in need. Yeah, boy, I, we ought to pray for them when we get in there. Let's go in there. Let's get our prayers and remember to pray for that unknown person. We don't know him. We don't know who he is. We, we see him all the time. Let's pray for the poor people. 
Pray for, the, pray, pray, pray for the lame people. Pray for the crippled. Pray for those who don't have anything. Is that what he said? <laughs> Is that what they did? No. They looked at this as an opportunity to see somebody in need and to identify that need and to be prepared to maybe even meet the need. Here's a man who was, it says he was lame from birth. That he had to have people carry him to that gate. And it's interesting, why is he in the gate? Why, is, why doesn't he get carried into the, to the, to the temple to worship? Why, does, why isn't he part of the prayer meeting? Why does he have to just sit on the outside waiting for people to just give him a little bit of this alms, the charity, money, coins, a few coins, just so that he can be carried back to his home and he'll have enough to, to maybe buy his daily bread. If you remember the story of the Good Samaritan, how the priest walked by, the Levi walked by, but this Samaritan man, a foreigner, a guy who probably didn't want to, wouldn't have had anything to do with this injured robber, took time to, to uh, bless him, to meet a need. And the disciples, I'm sure Peter and John, probably walking by are remembering, yeah, remember when Jesus told us that parable about the Good Samaritan? Yeah, maybe we ought to stop. Maybe we ought to do something about that. So they do. They stop and they direct their gaze on the man is what they said. They look directly at him and then they said to him, look at us. Pay attention to us. Because what we have to offer you is not just here's a, here's a fiver, here's a 20, be on your way, you know, here's a coupon so that you can get a meal at the diner. They said, look at us. We want to have a conversation with you. We want to interact with you. Like Jesus, I remember of Jesus uh, saying of the crowds, he looked on the crowds and he had compassion on them. Because they were like, there goes Maddie. <laughs> Everyone look at Maddie. Okay. All right, have a seat, sweetie. All right. They, we, we remember, and I'm sure the, apostle, or the, the apostles there, uh, Peter and John, remembered Jesus looking on the crowds and having compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. They were wandering around. They were broken. They didn't have any idea how to, to be healed from their brokenness. And that's, that's kind of what's happening here, Peter and John. See this man. He's broken physically, but he needs more than that too. He needs more than that. And, and so they say, well, let's see if we can meet his real needs because he wants a coin. He wants alms. He's expecting money, but what he really needs is healing. He really needs healing. His lameness, in fact, um, it, it would, if, if he's healed from that lameness, he's actually going to be able to then participate in the worship of God. That's the, way, the reason why he's sitting outside the, the temple area, sitting at the gate, because he can't go in. They won't let him in. They say, well, you're you're not whole. You're broken. You, we, you can't come into this area. You can't come to this part of the worship because you've got to be whole. You gotta be, um, you've got to be healed of your brokenness before you can come to worship and before you can be, come to be part of the, the people of God. Peter and John say, that's kind of messed up. That's kind of messed up because I remember Jesus walking around for three years. And what did he do? He saw a lame person and he touched him. He saw a, a leper and he said, 
oh, if I touch that person, I might, I might, get, I might get that disease. I, if, I, if I touch that leper, oh no, I'm going to be unclean. I'm not going to be able to go to the synagogue. I'm not going to be able to go to the temple. I'm going to be outside of the people of God. No, that's not what he said. Jesus said, I, if I touch you, you'll be clean. If, if I bring you in and include you in my people, that's an example of the grace that I have to give. That's the example of the, the, kind, of, the kind of posture that my people should have. What kept him from God's people was the real need for his life. He didn't need a, a, a little bit of money so that he could pay his bills that day or the next. He needed a radical change in his life. So what did they do? They said, look at us. And he expected to get something. They said, look, we don't have what you're looking for. We have, a, we have something real. We have something uh, greater than the need that you perceive for yourself. The felt need that you have. You have a, a true spiritual need. And it can only be met through Jesus. So that's what they say. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And what does he do? They grab his hand, they raise him up, and the miracle happens. He's walking. And what is the first thing that he does? He leaps up, begins to walk, and he entered the temple with them. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. He, he heals our brokenness so he can, we can fully worship God. So that we can be included in the people of God, in his covenant people. Now, the result was God's name being praised, ultimately. God's name being praised. What would it look like for you as an individual, or maybe your family, or your the missional community? We have meetings Sundays and Wednesdays. What it would, be look, what it would look like for those communities to, to see needs around us, to really open our eyes, to look with compassion on people around us and say, there's a real need here, let me meet it. And then let me offer the deeper spiritual need as well. The man needed his daily bread. The man needed healing. Some, some, things, we can, some things we can offer him. I haven't seen a healing done um, personally like this. Maybe that could happen among us. You know, why not? Why couldn't God do that? Why couldn't God, who created us, and created this universe, do something like that. He may not, but I'll tell you what, we can include people of all kinds, of all backgrounds, of all behaviors into our fellowship so that they can hear God's Word. We can do that. We can offer them Jesus, and we can offer to meet their needs in whatever way we possibly can, just as the disciples were doing in the previous passage, the last time we were in Acts, when they said, when it said that they sold their possessions and, they, and their belongings and they, they distributed to everybody who had needs. It's pretty awesome. They took God's words. They took Jesus' teaching seriously and they obeyed it. And this is what happens. God is getting the glory. God is getting the glory. We have to be prepared I think, to when others have a need. We also need to be prepared when others have a question. When others have a question, look what happens next. While he clung to Peter and John, the people 
were utterly astounded. They ran together and they said, well, we don't have their words recorded, but I can imagine what they said. What in the world is going on here? Isn't that that man? What, how in the world did this happen? Why are you doing this? What, is, what are you doing here? Why are, you, why are you serving us? Why are you blessing us? And they said, well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you exactly why. It's not because we're good. It's not because of our power. It's not because there's something good in us. It's because we know Jesus. That's why we're doing this. So he tells them exactly why. He says, he says in fact, let me just tell you this quick story about Jesus. About who he is. About how he's God's son. About how he lived and how he died. Um, and he puts it right in, in a context that they'll understand because this is only just a, uh, maybe a couple years, could be even just months after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. says, you know these, sto- these stories. You've heard these stories. You saw what happened. I'll explain it to you, why it happened and what was going on. Here's what happened. He was, he, he, he was glorified by God. He was delivered over. He died. But then he was raised from the dead. It's true. It happened. It's a fact. It's in history. He explained the story. He was ready to share Jesus when people had a question about why in the world we're doing what we're doing. Um, This is kind of neat. This same person right here, this Peter right here, who's telling this story, I think he must have took that to heart. He thought about it. He thought, you know, you know, God was really working among us. God's Holy Spirit came on us. You know, we got that training Jesus gave us. And, you know, preparation's pretty important. So he decided to put that down in a letter that he wrote. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always being prepared to give a, an answer for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Be prepared. Be prepared to, to give that reason. Be prepared to give that explanation for why you hope in Jesus, for why you are living the way you're living. Why is there something different about a genuine believer in, in Jesus? Well, there should be something different. There was for the apostles and there should be for us as well. And he was prepared. I wonder how quickly and clearly can you share the good news of Jesus? If somebody asks you, well, explain, explain this thing about Jesus. Explain what... I hear people talk about the gospel. Can you explain that to me? I mean, could, could you sum it up? Could you, could you talk about God and, and his, his, his designs for this world and creating a good world and creating everything good and sin messing it up and Him sending His Son Jesus to live a perfect life in our place and dying in our place? Um, so that we wouldn't have to, dying and taking our sins on Him so we could be forgiven and then raising from the dead and, and coming, to, coming to life so that we could have new life, so that you could be changed. If only you'll repent, if only you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus, He can change everything about you. Can we share that good news? Can, is, that, is that story on our lips? Maybe we have to practice it just like I did. Just like I did in the army, I had to practice some things. I had to practice saying certain things. I had to practice certain, to, uh, to learn certain, um, certain facts about, about the army. And what greater things do we have to learn about and to memorize and to put in our hearts and be prepared to share the, the, the good news of Jesus? More than, more than facts about 
water conservation or facts about, about the M16 or facts about military customs. The facts about Jesus. Peter was ready for that. Peter was ready for that. And he boldly shared it when others had a question. And notice what else he does. Let's, let's keep going through here because there's some other things. He, he not only explained the event as, as, and giving credit to Jesus, he, he, um, he shared the story of Jesus and what he did in his death and resurrection, but he also, he also really affirmed the beliefs of the people he was talking to because they had beliefs. They had beliefs in God. They understood some things. They had knowledge of the Old Testament and that's what he relies on. He says, look, I know you acted in ignorance. You didn't understand what was going on. Look, you heard... I mean, let me explain to you um, what the prophets said. The prophets foretold that Christ would suffer. Um, Moses said there would be a prophet to come and they're all like... Yeah, 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 we know the prophets. Uh, yeah, 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 we know Moses. Yeah, we, we understand. Oh, Samuel, okay. We understand. Abraham, we, we can connect with that. So he helps them to understand that the things that they already hold true um, have their ultimate truth in Jesus. Their ultimate truth in Jesus. Everyone believes in something true. Everybody. Everybody. I don't care if you say I'm an atheist. I don't believe in anything. There is no God. Well, yes, yes, you do believe in stuff. Everyone believes that, it, in some sense, that there is some kind of good thing in the world to enjoy. Everyone believes that. There's something good. There are good things in the world to enjoy. Are there not? Our breath, our life. Good things. Everyone believes there's something wrong in the world. Boy, You'll never find somebody who doesn't believe that. Everyone believes there's something wrong in the world. There are things that happen in the world that are just jacked up, as we used to say in the army. They're jacked up. Everyone wants things to be better, somehow. They want, and they want their own lives to be better, somehow. We call that, as Christians, we call that salvation. <laughs> They may not, you know, you may not use that terminology when you're talking with some people and they may not use that. Oh, I wanted to be saved from this or that or the other thing. But they want things to be better. They want their life to improve. They want to, to not be uh, so wrong and so broken and be more whole and be more alive. Everyone wants some, some sense of justice, uh, redemption from, from the bad things that have happened in their own lives or the bad things that they've done, or, or maybe even atonement. I have done a lot of bad things, and I, I want to make it right if I can. I'll try this, I'll try that. I'll try to heal my brokenness the best I can. So w w what happens when, when we're confronted with people with all of these issues that maybe they don't believe in Jesus? We say, well, well, we're doing this because of Jesus. Well, I don't believe in Jesus. Well, what do you believe in? What do you believe in? Tell me what you believe in. Oh, yeah, I... I agree with you on that. Oh, yeah, I believe that's true. And here's how the story of God fulfills that. Here's how God's story answers that question. He invites then a response. He not only affirms what they believe, but then he says, look, but you guys need to make it personal. It's, it's not just enough to just kind of hear this story and go, okay, that's cool. That's cool for you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Jesus died. He rose. Okay. He actually invites a response. He says, look, what you guys need to do now that you've heard this story is you need to respond to it. He says here, 
Repent, therefore, and turn back. These are really important words. Actually, very important words. But we don't use them very often. Repent just means stop doing the, what you're doing and believe in what you're believing. And to turn back for, for, for these people, uh, these people actually believe, did believe in God. They just didn't understand Jesus. And he says, you need to turn back to, to God and, and, and what he has revealed in his son, Jesus. And in turning back, you'll actually find the thing that you thought you were worshiping this whole time. You'll actually find God in Jesus. He invites a response. Uh, repent, turn back. Repent, leave what you've been believing. Uh, leave the things that you've been doing and turn to Jesus. Turn around. Make that turn. Make that U-turn, so to speak. You've been going on the wrong road. You've been traveling on the wrong highway, the wrong path. And what you need to do is turn to Jesus because He's the only way that you're going to have life. The only way that you're going to have life. We, sometimes we need to stop, think about it for a second, and then invite people to respond. Invite people to make it personal. What about you? I'm talking about Jesus. Share Jesus with you. What about you? How, you know, the Bible says you should, you should stop believing in the other things, turn away from the other things that you've been doing, and turn to Jesus. Put your faith and trust in Him. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to have your sins forgiven? And, and all that guilt and that shame taken away? Would you, would you like to be refreshed? Would you like to experience the kind of life that God wants to offer you through His Son Jesus? To receive that grace? Would you like to receive Jesus? Would you like to have Him, the ultimate treasure in the universe? Well, how can we help people see how Jesus is good news for them? How can we help, how can we help point them to that truth? Um, there's a great man of, of the last century called Francis Schaeffer, um, wrote a lot of great books and, and his ministry um, over the years was impacted a whole lot of people. And one of the things that he tells um, that I, I've, gosh, I've heard in like three or four different places recently, um, one of the things that he tells is that he says, if I have one hour, one hour with a person who says they don't believe in Jesus, maybe they don't believe in God or don't believe in anything at all, if I have one hour to spend with a person like that, I'm going to spend 55 minutes listening to them. And then in the last five minutes, maybe I'll have something to say. I wonder if, if we shouldn't take that kind of approach more often. Maybe, maybe you know, we're, we're quick and, and, you know, hey, Peter and John were quick to share Jesus. They, they were right up front and said, this is Jesus. But they understood their people. They understood who they were talking to. They understood the kind of lives they lived. They understood the way they thought. I wonder if we need to take that time to say, why do you believe that? Tell me more about, about why you believe what you believe. Tell me more about your, your background and the experiences that you've had. Um, what, what, why, why, do you, why do you see the world the way you see? And then maybe then we'll have some way to answer their questions, and to, to reveal Jesus to them in a way that's going to actually speak into their lives. 
Do you think that might take some practice? I think so. I think I, there's no way in, in this message where I can tell, tell you this, that you're going to go, okay, well, give me the five steps on how to do that. It's going to take some practice. It's going to, have, it's going to probably take some reading. And you're probably going to have to ask a lot of questions of people and get good at having conversations with the people around you before you see the kind of fruit that Peter and John saw here. In fact, that's what's next. Look at what did happen. You know, the, they, were, they were prepared. They were prepared um, when others had a need. They were prepared when others have a question. But we also must be prepared when others have a response. When they actually respond to it. Notice that there were some who weren't very happy with this message. These, these individuals here, they called the, the priests. Those are the people who worked at the temple. They were in charge of the temple worship. And they were really had most of the authority in that culture. The captain of the temple, he was kind of like the second in command um, in the temple area besides the high priest. And he basically had charge of all the stuff that went on there. Um, he, then the Sadducees, this, this group of, of individuals, uh, uh, families, they were kind of the aristocrats, the, the, wealthy, the wealthy people of their day. And um, Cheryl, don't mind Cheryl, she's got something to deal with on her phone, I'm sorry. Um, the Sadducees were the wealthy, rich, aristocratic people of the day. They had, they had a lot of the power. Oh, they weren't very happy. They weren't very happy that Peter and John were teaching people about Jesus. They weren't very happy that they were proclaiming Jesus in the resurrection because this is going to cause people to think about the resurrection and think about what's going to happen to me when I die or what's God going to do? Is he going to raise us all up so that we can, be, we can be saved by his Messiah? Well, yes, he is. Absolutely is. And his Messiah is Jesus. They didn't want to hear that. It was going to upset everything that they had. It was going to upset their peace they had with Rome. It was going to upset their authority and the power that they had to rule over other people. So they arrested them, put them in jail. We'll see next week, uh, when we gather together, we'll see next week what actually happens to them and how, how the apostles respond to that situation. But in the meantime, we have this beautiful verse in verse 4 that says there were many who, who accepted the message and they responded with faith in Jesus they believed the word. And then the number of the men came to about 5,000. Previously we, sh we saw that there were 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus in one day. And then every day m more were being added. And then this is one of those moments of where we say, where we talk about there being a harvest. A lot of people come into faith at one time. And there are now more than 5,000 believers in that one church in Jerusalem. What did they do? It doesn't say explicitly, but my guess is that they did this. They, they, if we were to turn back to uh, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, we'd see how they lived. We see how they accepted them into their homes. They broke bread together. They said, now you belong to us. They invited them into their lives. They lived in these, these, uh, these rhythms of, of learning, of worshiping together, of, of gathering and, and belonging together, of sharing and giving to one another. They, they shared those rhythms. They showed them how to follow Jesus. What's going to happen when people respond to the gospel message around us? Will we, will we say, wonderful, here's your Bible? 
go out and get them. Well, yes, we, need, we do need to send them. We do need to tell them to go. But we need to say, look, you are part of us. You are our, part of our family. Now you belong with us. That's what God does. He makes people uh, from all kinds of different backgrounds and all kinds of different walks of life and brings them together. Now they're one family. What kind of family is this? It's a, it's a crazy family. It's a weird family. There's all kinds of brokenness still. We're, all kind of, we're still dealing with sin. We're, all, we're still kind of messed up. But by God's grace, He's helping us to live the way He wants us to live. By His design, in His fullness. The life that He has for us in the family of God is, is sweeter and more joyful than anything else you can, you can imagine. All of the things that you're running after, all of the things that you're chasing, all of the things that you're hoping are going to fulfill your, your soul, make your life more uh, satisfying, make your life more successful, doesn't mean much. doesn't mean much without Jesus. Jesus is all there is. That's why we sing, Jesus, only Jesus. Don't forget, folks, what it was like for you when you first put your faith in Christ. Did you know everything? Did, did you have some challenges? Did you, did you experience some difficulties? Yes. And the people around us who are coming to faith need us to put our arms around them and say, walk with us. We'll show you how to walk with Jesus. We'll show you what life in the Father, uh, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit is like. So that's how the apostles prepared that's what we see from this story. We see them preparing when others have a need, being prepared uh, when others have a question, being prepared when others have a response to make. How are you prepared? You prepared to witness? Prepared to share? Do we need to, do we need to work on this? Do we need, to, do we need to, to learn a little bit more? Do we need to practice a little bit more? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's do it by faith and let's see God do some, some miracles in our lives and in our community, in our city here, in Moxie and all over Yakima Valley and all over the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for, um, for this word. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives. We thank you for the, um, the example that we've seen this morning so far, um, watching Chris get baptized and um, now anticipating two additional baptisms this morning. Um, God, uh, we are just, we're just grateful and, and, and rejoice that, that you are doing something that you're calling people to yourself and, and, you're, and you're calling them to be obedient in their lives. So God, um, keep working in us. Keep doing the work that only you can do. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to ask you to stand. We're going to have a, a song play and uh, as we normally do at the end. And If you need the words, you know, they're in your, your handout. You can, you can sing along or maybe you just want to um, pray or spend some time in prayer or maybe you want to come forward and you, you need to make a response today, right now, wherever you're at. Um, if you need to make that response, um, this, is, this is an opportunity we want you to have right now to respond. So stand with me as we sing.